Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. We're going to take a look at uh, um, this man and this woman named Hosea and Gomer. Uh, I love this story so much. So let's turn to the book of Hosea. If you're in, if you're using your fresh Bibles, it's page number 532. Uh, Hosea, this is right after Ezekiel and Daniel. It's uh, it's the beginning of this portion in your Bible called the Minor Prophets. Not that they have minor prophecies. They're just smaller books. That's all it is. And uh, so we know that that prophets, let me give you some background. We know that prophets are people that, uh, that were, you know, called by God to, to warn the kings and the people of Israel and, and to uh, offer repentance and, and turning from their wicked ways to follow God, to follow Yahweh God and remind them of all the ways that God has provided for them in the past and how he can provide for them in the future and in hopes that they would trust him and turn from them. And, and a lot of these prophets were successful. Some of the, 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 the prophets going to the kings and, and the people of Israel weren't so successful a lot of the time just because of the hardness of people's hearts. But, uh, but God still uses people and God still offers repentance even to the worst people, even to the worst of some of the people we read in this Bible. And, and, uh, but we, we've talked about this before. That God has an interesting and sometimes quite a weird way of, of, of speaking to people, right? And uh, so the, the story in, in Hosea, this, God uses a really weird way to convey his message and to get his message across. Uh, he tells Hosea to go find a wife, which, you know, not that big of a deal, except he tells Hosea to go find a wife and he, he, shows, uh, he shows Hosea who to marry and she's, her name is Gomer and she's a prostitute. Now, that just sounds like a bad idea, doesn't it? That just sounds ungodly, doesn't it? So, so um, this, 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 this unusual way of doing things, uh, God uses his message, or uses his messenger to convey his message. And, um, you know, we, you, we, we are going to take a look at this, at this story. And it's a, it's a really incredible um, turn of events. And I, I, I've been um, challenged by God to, 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 he keeps bringing this story back up and bringing this passage of scripture back up. And uh, so, so we're going we're gonna to talk about it today. So, so let's dive into Hosea chapter 1. And uh, we're going to start in verse 2 and go all the way to chapter 2, verse 1, um, the way that the Hebrew uh, translated into having the verses and numbered. It, it's a little weird, but just, just follow along on the screen. It should be back there. So Hosea chapter 1, we'll go all the way to uh, chapter 2. And we'll start in verse 2. It says, when, when the Lord first began to speak into, I'm sorry, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. <laughs> Just again, it's a weird way of, of getting his message across. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I'm about to punish King Jehu's destiny to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. And in fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon Gomer began, became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lohurama which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people who, I'll, show, I'll no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. 
But I will show love to the people of Judah. They, they, I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. And, and just to give you some context there, Israel is actually two different nations right now. You've got the kingdom of northern Israel and the kingdom of southern Judah. And um, all throughout the book of Kings, first and second Kings, you'll see all the different kings that reigned in, in north, uh, northern Israel and southern Judah. And there was not a single good king in northern Israel and just a few in, in Judah, I think eight. So just to give you that context there and what, what God's talking about. So, so I will show the love, I will show love to the people of Judah, but I will, I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. After Gomer had weaned Lohuremah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Am-I, not my people, for Israel is not my people and I am not their God. And I just want to stop there for a moment. We'll keep reading, but just for a moment, I just want to address the elephant in the room. Um, this is a little weird, right? <laughs> I mean, we talk about, you know, the significance of names and naming your children and how it's important and all that stuff. And, you know, you look at all the biblical names and everything and it's like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. And then God names, uh, you know, them scattered people and, and not my people and not loved. It doesn't, it, it, it kind of, it kind of strikes you uh, like a, like a weird chord, remember? But, uh, but, 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 God is, is speaking to Hosea. Hosea is a prophet, right? And so this is how uh, God is getting his message across to the people of Israel. And by doing it in such a permanent way, in such, a, in such a, um, an important way through naming his children. And, and if we read through this so quickly, uh, we, we kind of miss it. And I, I want to make sure we don't miss this because um, th- this is crucial. So notice how the Bible says that Jezreel was goes, Gomer bearing Hosea a son. And Jezreel, like, again, means to scatter and to plant, which isn't necessarily terrible in, in, in most senses, or really on the surface. Uh, but, you know, when we see Gomer's next pregnancy, the Bible says that Gomer gave birth to a daughter, but she didn't bear Hosea a daughter. She just gave birth to a daughter. And the way this is written is important here because it, it, it alludes, and there's lots of different things, but it alludes to, to the fact that, the, that um, Gomer's second last two children are not Hosea's. They were conceived out of prostitution and conceived out of, out of unfaithfulness, right? And so this is important. So of course, God is disappointed because she has committed adultery. But, but listen to this promise that, that God keeps going. He's speaking to Hosea and this promise in verse 10, and it will take us all the way to the end of the chapter. And it says, yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place that they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together and they will choose one leader for themselves and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in the land. And in that day, you will call your brothers, am I, which means my people, and, I, and, and you will call your sisters, Ruhema, which means the ones I love. And, and this, is, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful promise uh, that God gives us in, in this text here. And then um, I'll, I'll save us some time here, but all of chapter two is essentially uh, God really just pouring out his heart for uh, humanity, is pouring out his heart for people and how he feels about the, the people in the nation of Israel, God's chosen people that have betrayed him and been unfaithful to him. And he compares them to, to Gomer and how Go- Gomer is, is acting. And somewhere along the way, <clears throat> Gomer becomes uh, unsatisfied with her marriage with Hosea. And, you know, I'm sure that the weight of the shame and the guilt might have come on her whenever she had these kids out of prostitution that she knew wasn't Hosea's and Hosea probably thought wasn't his either. So eventually, somewhere along the line, she left Hosea. 
She left Hosea, she went back to her old life, and she became a prostitute again. And some, somehow, some way, she became a sex slave. She became a, uh, someone who was being sold away to different people. And now, <clears throat> most of us would probably think, oh, wow, she, that's what she gets, right? That's what she deserves, right? You know, that you, 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 um, you, you mess with fire, you're going to get burned, right? You play with fire, you're going to get burned, right? And, you know, a lot of us think, well, you know, that's, that's good. Finally, she gets what she deserves. And if you, if you know your Old Testament law well, you, you probably think, well, you know, adultery is punishable by death in the Old Testament. So she's probably better off to be a sex slave than to be dead, right? But Hosea didn't feel that way about her. Hosea didn't feel, he, that, was, that was his wife. He loved her. That, you know, he, so he finds her on the auction block, and, and God spoke to Hosea, and we'll, we'll continue in chapter 3, just, just uh, six, five or six verses here. In chapter 3, he says, the Lord, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again. Go and love your wife. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So pay attention to this. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or a prince when, and without sacrifices, sacred pillars or priests, or even idols. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in the awe of the Lord and of his goodness. And this is a beautiful picture of Jesus. This is a beautiful picture of, 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 of Jesus. There's not going to be any more temples. There's not going to be any more sacrifices. But we'll look to the one true king, Jesus, and he will give us everything we need. And he'll take care of us, and, and he is going to satisfy our souls. Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different um, avenues we can take here uh, for, for how I could, you know, how you could read this passage. And there's a lot to discuss about forgiveness. I think that's a, that's a good message, how we can learn to forgive like God. I mean, even learning to forgive like Hosea is a, is a really good lesson to learn. And I think that's a good message to preach on, uh, but, but, and I'll do that soon. But I just felt the Lord nudging me for weeks and weeks to, um, to preach and prepare this passage and, and really talk on the subject of faithfulness. Faithfulness. And uh, not, not, only, not only do we need to learn about how faithful our God is and, and really grasp the extent of God's faithfulness. I mean, it's so important to know how much we're loved and what we're forgiven of and, and to know that there is a God who will never leave us, who will never forsake us. And uh, Psalm 139 says that there is nowhere I can escape from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. I cannot escape your presence. So we have a faithful God. I think someone needs to hear that today. We have a faithful God. We do, and, and we serve a faithful father, and there's nothing we can do to ever make him stop loving us, no matter how far we go, no matter how much we do. But something we need to learn today is how we can be faithful in response to him. This is more than something we just do on Sundays. This is, this is more than just a good worship set and good preaching, even though the pastor goes over quite a bit. This is, more than just, this is more than just a program. This is more than, than just simply church. Uh, there is truly a God who gave everything for us, and God's action requires a reaction from us. And so we've got to learn how to be faithful, and that's what I want to talk about today. So if you're taking notes, I want our sermon title to be, uh, Come Home and Stay Home. Come home and stay home, just like, uh, just like Gomer. Come home and stay home. Let me pray over us, and, and we'll, we'll jump right in. So thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you so much 
for your word and for this incredible story and uh, really how we can look at your love and your faithfulness to us. God, I pray you'd speak into our hearts today and you would do, have something swell up from within us that just makes us want to follow you even more once we leave these doors. So God, I pray you'd bless our meeting today and just have your way in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Uh, come home and stay home. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, and I don't know if you can tell. I'm not the greatest at organization. I'm not. Um, I, my, 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 me and my wife, we made an agreement um, when we got married that I would handle all the car stuff, and she would handle all of the, like, the bills and everything. And I said, that's probably a good trade, and uh, it's probably just better that way, you know? So, so um, part of doing the car stuff uh, that I have the pleasure and opportunity to do is making sure that I have all of the registrations and inspections updated and to date and legal. And I'll just be honest with you, I'm really bad at that. <laughs> I always forget. Um, there's probably six months out of the year that something on my car is illegal and I don't even know it. And honestly, it's not me trying to, you know, like get one on Uncle Sam or anything like that. It's really just my forgetfulness and, uh, you know, being naive. And, uh, you know, I don't, but I don't like do a full vehicle inspection before before, like I get in the car, like this is what happens. I unlock the door, I open the door, I throw my book bag in, I throw myself in, and I throw it, you know, in verse and go, right? So and I, we have a motorcycle too, and the same thing on the motorcycle. I just, I put my book bag on, hop on the bike, and I go. And uh, this is, this is, um, the, the, this is the, the motorcycle I begged my wife for uh, a few years ago. I was like, please, please, every one of my friends has a motorcycle. I just want to be cool. I just want to fit in. You know, we went somewhere once, and, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we'll all, we'll all drive up there. And I was like, okay, that's, that's weird. And then I showed up to their house. There was like eight guys on, a motor, on motorcycles, and uh, I, was on, I was just in my car in this, you know, beat-up Chevy Cobalt. And I was like, oh, well, this is cool. I texted my wife. I was like, I'm the least cool person here right now. Please, you got to do something. <laughs> so I begged my wife for this motorcycle, and she finally, you know, she finally submitted as a godly woman. I'm just kidding. No, I was on my hands and knees begging. I was like, please, please. And uh, she finally let me have it. And she's like, but on one, if one condition, you cannot get a ticket and on it. If you get a ticket, I will sell it. She will sell it. And uh, she doesn't care what the price is. She'll sell it. She'll just get rid of it. So, you know, I've always been extra cautious when it comes to the motorcycle because I, um, you know, I, 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 if I get a ticket, it could be my last ride. And wouldn't you know, a couple months ago, I got pulled over on the motorcycle. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I had no idea why. I was, I was like kind of nervous too. And I was like, I, I always like am cautious, but I'm a little extra cautious when it comes to that. You know, you always want to be cautious on a motorcycle, but especially if your wife is threatening to sell it. You're like, okay, I've really got to hold on to this. I've really got to be careful. And I, I thought I was. And uh, so I get pulled over and um, anyone, you know, been pulled over, it's like the worst feeling in the world. Super embarrassing. It was right at the intersection. So everyone's like, you know, looking at me, and I'm like, oh, this, I'm, I feel so much shame right now, and um, the, the cop was taking a while, and like, you know, I'm just on the bike, like, looking around, and, and he's got his lights on and everything, and everyone's, you know, there and looking, and then a second cop shows up. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation before, but I was, like, a little terrified. I was like, what have I done? That is so bad that two cops need to show up there, and they, they get out of the car, and they start talking to each other, and then they come over to the bike, and they're like, uh, hey, you know, um, you weren't happened, you, you haven't happened to, where, basically, where, where did you come from? Where are you going? And I told him, and he's like, well, you weren't just around here doing uh, burnouts and weaving in and out of traffic, are you? And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. He's like, well, there's a black motorcycle that fits your description and your build that was running around here just a few minutes ago that's doing all this stuff. And I was like, 
Well, it wasn't me. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I was nervous. It's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to explain this to my wife that they got the wrong guy? But she's not going to believe me, you know, and how am I going to explain it to you guys? You know, you, you see the, the, the Winchester Star, you know, local pastor gets prison for life for doing illegal stuff. And it's like, no one shows up on Sunday. Like, what do you do? You know? And I was like freaking out. It's like, oh my gosh. And, and not only that, it was like, <laughs> now I'm like, well, now I'm going to lose the bike. And this is, this is terrible. And so I gave him my license and, 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 and my registration card. And I look at my registration card and I realized it was expired. I was like, oh my gosh, no. It's just like, now I'm definitely getting this thing towed. And uh, he, he comes back and, you know, well, actually, no, the whole time I was, I was praying. <laughs> this, do you do this? Um, I was like, oh, please, God, please just like let him have pulled me over uh, to, you know, just because he just felt the spirit of the Lord coming from this motorcycle. And he just wants to know Jesus more. He pulled me over because he wants to talk, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to think all these things like, oh, God, let him have the wrong guy. And, you know, it's, just, it's no big deal. And he comes back to the bike and he's like, hey, I... I just wanted to let you know I pulled you over because your registration is expired. Just take care of it. Have a good day. <laughs> and I was like, you know, trying to drive home, and I'm like shaking the whole time. And uh, that, that was miserable. But, you know, I, I was, what's the point of this story? I promise there was a point to this. So you've been pulled over before, right? Has anyone not been pulled over before? Really? Wow. That's awesome. It's, it's not a great feeling. So keep it up. Um, but, but those of us, those normal people of us who sometimes break the law unintentionally and, you know, cops are there to remind us and it's, it's a safety law. But you know, I've noticed something really interesting that even as a pastor that I do uh, sometimes, and, and I'm sure a lot of us do too, that when we're in a situation that is not good, it seems like our relationship with God is heightened to a new level. You know what I mean? It's like you, when you get pulled over and you see the lights, you know, you start praying prayers you never would have thought, you know, speaking in other languages you never would have thought was possible. And, you know, you're, you're pulling out Bible scriptures. You didn't even know. You, uh, there is no weapon that formed against me that shall. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, you know. We, we, we come up with all these scriptures and stuff. We didn't even know we knew. And uh, we start making all these promises like, oh, God, I'll never speed again. All these empty promises. You know, oh, I'll never, I'll never speed again, I promise. I'll, I'll start giving my tithe. I'll start going to church more. I, I, I'll start being nicer to my coworkers at work. Please, please just get me out of this ticket. You know, and then what happens when we get out of the ticket? We, we speed out, you know, and by the time we get home, we've, we've broken the law at least one more time again. But it, it's interesting to me when, that when things are not good, that we rely on God more. You know, like when your finances aren't too hot, it seems like your prayer life is increased. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, oh, God, get me out of this, get me out of this financial mess. I promise I'll start giving my tithe to the church. Just give me the money to give. You know what I mean? And, and you know, when you lose your job, you, you start praying more. When, when your kids are going off the deep end, you start praying more. When you, when you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor or, you, you know, a family member is sick. And, you know, we're, we're much more committed to our faith in these moments than, than it seems like we are in other moments. And it's just interesting to me how in these moments, in those moments, how often we'll pray. And not that praying in, you know, not that praying more in, in trouble is a bad thing. I'd be a bad pastor if I told you that. You know, it's, it, I'd be a bad pastor if I told you just accept what life gives you and, and don't rely on the God of the ages to get us out of a financial, spiritual, or physical mess. I, I don't recommend that at all. Of course, pray more when you're in times of trouble. Um, but, but it's just, what I'm saying here is it's just interesting how, how common it is. Interesting how common it is that we only trust God sometimes in the hard times, and rarely ever in the good times. And I know that's not every case, but you know, it's for, for a vast majority of us, I think we can all relate with, with the feeling uh, or with the statement that when things are good, I don't rely on God 
as much. And, you know, I want to ask us, where do we place God when things are good? Is, is, is God still the Lord of your life when, when your season is going really well? Are we still committed followers of Jesus when things are going well? Do we carry out the promises, the empty promises we made when we were in trouble? Most of us would probably say yes, but our actions might prove different. Our church attendance might prove different. Our prayer journals might prove different. Our version Bible streak might prove different. Isn't that the most convicting thing ever when you lose your streak on version? It's like, man, I'm unholy. You know what I mean? But, but, you know, where do we place God when things are good? Do we think we only need God when things aren't good? And again, obviously this is a huge stereotype and huge blanket statement. You, we can't all fit in with this, but I think for the vast majority of us, we probably can say, man, I don't trust God as much as I should when things are good. And the, the good news is that we're not alone. Um, God's chosen people, Israel, struggled with this. Right, the ones that God delivered from the from the from the Egyptians across the Red Sea, those people still didn't rely on God when things were good, and and you know um, they did the exact same thing. When when things are bad, they they call out to Yahweh God for help, 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 help. When things are good, they they turn to other idols and other gods, and it's this vicious cycle, good and and bad, and good and bad that they go through, and it's 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 sickening almost. But you know they only rely on the one true God when they're in trouble and when they need something. And so so when we're introduced to this the story, Hosea, he's he's tasked to go warn the king Jeroboam uh, of of judgment and offer repentance. And and if you know your Bible well, this is second Jeroboam, and so it's not it's not the really bad one, but he's still not that great. Um, I find when Jeroboam was reigning as king that the land of Israel was actually doing really well. Um, people, were, people were happy. Israel was, was prosperous. The businesses were successful. The market was good. And the nations surrounding them were pretty much, for the most part, peaceful. And you know the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And so this is how Jeroboam felt when, when this scrawny young prophet comes to him and says, hey, by the way, everything you're doing is not right. You need to turn and repent and, and you know, follow God. But, but Jeroboam sees everything going on around him, that everything's good, and he's like, well, this must be a blessing of one of the gods, so you know what, I'm just going to ignore you. And, and so, I mean, obviously, this would make sense as a, as a king to be like, well, people look to me for, for leadership, and if things are good, and, and I don't want to change anything, and I don't want to screw it up, you know, I, I want to make sure things are good for my kingdom. And the problem is, is while their kingdom may seem good, physically, spiritually, man, they're, they're, they're hurting tremendously. They'll worship any God but Jehovah God. They, they will, they were, they're plummeting themselves in all sorts of sin and immorality that's separating them from God each and every single day. But not only that, they're ruining the lives of, of themselves and they're ruining the lives of others. Um, and other gods demanded human sacrifice, child sacrifice. And God's chosen people, Israel, were succumbing to this type of, of worship, and the worst part is that they would still go to the temples. They would still go to the temples of, 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 of the Almighty God, the one true God, and they would make sacrifices, but just as a formality. And then in the same breath, they would make a sacrifice to a different God, and as soon as they left, they would plummet right back into the sin that the sacrifices are supposed to cover. You know, so, so they were unfaithful to the God who had rescued them from Egyptian slavery. They were unfaithful to the God who gave them food and water in the wilderness that is surrounded by nothing. They were unfaithful to the God who had given them the land that they possessed and the power they possessed in that moment. They were unfaithful to the God who had been nothing but faithful to them. And here's how God shows us how he feels about this. 
Here's where Hosea and Gomer come into the scene because things had been good. They felt like they didn't need God. And Israel had just done whatever they wanted, including Gomer, who was prostituting herself away each and every single night. And everyone knew Gomer. Everyone knew Gomer, if you know what I'm saying. Everyone knew Gomer. And and God, heartbroken for his people, says, look, I'm going to use Gomer to show how I feel about you. I'm going to show how, how, it, how it feels when I'm treated this way, but I'm also going to show you how I feel about you and how much I still love you. So, so, so God tells the young prophet Hosea, he says, hey, I, I, I've got this woman for you I want you to marry. And Hosea, you know, he's, he's young, he's, he's been saving himself for the one, you know, and he's like, all right, you know, he's been, he's been a faithful, devoted follower of, of God up until this point, you know, and he's, he's been ready, he's been patient, but he's been ready for the one. And God tells him, hey, I've got the one for you. And Hosea, I'm sure, got excited, like, oh, yes, this has been my moment. I've been waiting for this, you know. And God points him in the direction of, Hosea, of, of Gomer. And he says, hey, right there, that's the one. And Hosea's looking at her on the street corner, underneath the lamp that's kind of flickering a little bit, looking for, you know, clients. And he's like, God, this is the one? And God's like, yeah, that's the one I've got for you. That's the one. Now, I don't know if you've, if you've heard the voice of God tangibly. Um, God doesn't often tell you who to marry. <laughs> so this is like a for sure thing. Like Hosea was like, uh, are you sure, God? Yes, yes, I'm sure. Marry that woman. That's the one I want you to marry. And Proverbs says, the one who finds a wife finds treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. And Hosea knew this. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'll trust you. All right, and so Hosea scrapped, scraped everything he had together, and he, he went down to the store. He bought her a diamond ring, and he, he went over the street corner and got to know her a little bit and hey, God told me to marry you. Has any, <laughs> I hope that's never happened to anybody. That's probably a little weird, just meeting for the first time. God told me to marry you. I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm sure he did. But um, <laughs> so he goes to, to Gomer, and he said, hey, God told me to marry you. Would you be my wife? And, and, and you know, Gomer, I'm sure, is... is she, you know, shocked at, at this, and, but she comes to realize that no one's ever treated her like Hosea did. No one's ever loved her like Hosea did. No one's ever talked to her like Hosea did, and, you know, they, 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 she, she loves this, and so she's ecstatic to marry this man, and, you know, they have this beautiful wedding, this rustic barn, you know, with shiplap and stuff, and, like, Edison light bulbs, you know, they had a cute wedding hashtag, hashtag Gosea, hashtag Homer, you know, and, you know, they, they, they had this wonderful wedding. She got a beautiful, modest dress, um, and it was just, it was a wonderful time, and you know, they started their lives together. They go on their honeymoon, they buy a house, you know, they spend three weeks moving all of Gomer's stuff in because you know how women are, they have so much stuff. My gosh, they have so much stuff. And so they, they do all that and, you know, Hosea goes back to work, he starts preaching again and, you know, uh, Gomer stays home watching HGTV and decides to ship the whole house in a day and you know, this is how it works, you know. They have this wonderful life together, things are good and then finally they decide, hey, let's, let's have a child. And so they do and they, they have this beautiful son and things are looking good for them. <laughs> But, but, but one day, something started to swell up inside Gomer. Maybe, maybe Gomer ca- catches a glimpse of her, of her old life. Maybe she's walking down the street and sees one of her old clients and gets, her, gets a reminder of, of the life that she knew so well. It wasn't the best, but she knew it well, and it was familiar to her. And maybe she's walking down the street, and, and she's seeing all the places she used to go and remembered how good the affection felt from multiple people, not just one so she compromises on her marriage just a little bit, just a little bit. You know, maybe she starts texting them or 
maybe leaves heart eyes on their Instagram posts. Or, you know, maybe she, she goes out to lunch with them when, when Hosea's gone. And, you know, nothing bad technically, right? But just a newsflash, any sort of small compromise in your marriage uh, is cheating. Any, any sort of uh, unfaithfulness uh, in, your, in your marriage is, is cheating, in case you're wondering, no matter how small it is, being faithful is a consistent thing that we're called to do. But, you know, what starts as a small compromise turns into a complete loss of control. And, you know, while Hosea is probably out preaching the gospel and, and, and you know, preaching repentance to, to people, Gomer is out sleeping with, with people that are not her husband. I'm sure she justified her unfaithfulness, too, with you know, something like, well, at least I come home at night. At least I, or I still love him, sort of. At least I'm, I'm still here. I'm still around. I haven't completely left him. And, you know, maybe may, he, he'll forgive me anyways. He's a good guy. He'll forgive me anyways. He's a good guy. And the more that I read this story and speculate this story and try to put myself in, in all sorts of different shoes, I think it's a wonderful tool when you read the Bible. Put yourself in the shoes of the people to see how they're feeling. And every time I read the story of Hosea, I always find myself in the shoes of Gomer, every single time. I always find myself in the shoes of Gomer. Maybe there was a moment we can think back on when we first decided to follow Jesus, and it was, it was awesome, right? You know, we, we had this wonderful encounter with Jesus. It wasn't easy, but it was good. It was good, and we were devoted followers of Jesus. Everywhere we went, we went with Jesus. Everything we did, we did with Jesus. Everyone we saw, we, we, we introduced to Jesus. We, 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 we took all the time we could to spend with Jesus in church, in the Word, in our prayer closets, on the drive to, to work. We spent all the time we could could with Jesus, and that's what he desires. He desires to be with us. He desires to spend time with us, and for us to grow in our relationship together. He wants to be in every part of your life, not just for an hour and a half on Sundays. I think we can all relate with Gomer, because just like Gomer, maybe we'll miss our old lives, or we'll miss our old friends, or maybe we'll miss the familiarity, all the fun we had, and the popularity and after a while, we allow little tiny compromises here and there to ruin the integrity of our relationship with God. We allow tiny, just, just small compromises to ruin the integrity of our relationship with God. And we'll find, we'll find these ways to justify our actions, right? You know, well, at least I still go to church sometimes. At least, you know, my bio still says Jeremiah 29, 11. I haven't taken it down. I don't know what it means, but I know it's a good one. <laughs> you know, I, 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 still, I still read the verse of the day occasionally. Or, you know, maybe, maybe we start to compare other. Well, I'm not as bad as they are. I didn't do what they did. Certainly, I'm not going to succumb to that low of a life. Uh, you know, anyone who confronts me about this situation has to check the plank in their own eye first. You know, you, you, you know these people, sometimes we are these people. And like Gomer, we're faithful when it benefits us, but we're unfaithful when we want to be. And... And here's the problem I see with the church right now, and this is why I felt like God has been speaking this, this passage of Scripture on my heart a lot lately for the past few weeks is, you know, when we're in God's house, we're on fire. We're, we're, we're lit in a good way, Christian lit. <laughs> you know, we'll raise our hands, we'll sing the songs, we'll pray the prayers, we'll be excited. Things are great when we're in the house, but when we're out of the house, 
That's where the unfaithfulness happens. When we're out of the house, we're easily persuaded to give our hearts away to the things that are not of God, prostituting our hearts, prostituting our spirit to to another lover who is not God. If I could push the illustration really, really far here and, 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 and get into our heads a little bit, how often have we impregnated ourselves with problems and situations that we could have easily avoided had we been faithful to God in the first place? I want to push that illustration really, really far. And maybe we can look back and say, man, this unfaithfulness has caused my life to be a a huge mess. God has been so faithful to us. And he wants to be in a genuine relationship with us. But a relationship is not faithfulness only one way. It's both ways. A relationship is faithfulness both ways. And you can't be faithful by accident. It's absolutely intentional. Because I don't think anyone wakes up one day and is like, you know what? I feel like cheating on my wife today. <laughs> no one wa- at least I hope not. No one wakes up and is like, hey, you know what? I, I just I feel like having an affair. I, it's something I've I've been dreaming of, and I just want to do it today. I don't know. I just no. It's, it what, what happens is is unfaithfulness is is rooted in, in small compromises in our faith, and you know, and the same goes with our relationship with God. Unfaithfulness is 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 rooted in small compromises in our faith, small compromises in our relationship, small compromises in faithfulness. And Satan knows this. This is why he's really good at that. Is he's really good at that? He he knows that um, he he'll convince us that small compromises won't make a big difference. He's really good at trying to convince us of that. And so it's so far off and such a lie, but he's so good at this phrase, it's just one. It's just one. It's just, it's just one more night. It's, it's, it's just one more drink. It's, it's just one more, uh, one more time. It's just one more look. It's, it's, only, it's just one more this. It's just one more that. And I've heard it put this way before. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. We've got to protect our relationship with God, and we have to protect our hearts. We have to protect our hearts. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And we could see in the story, Gomer didn't guard her heart. She didn't. She, she, she prostituted her heart away to something or someone here and there, temporary pleasures of this life. She prostituted it all away. She gave it all away to someone else, which ultimately led her back to the life that God had delivered her from. So I'd like to ask us today, what, what has our hearts? What has our hearts? If you don't leave with anything but this, what, ask yourselves this question every single day, what has my heart? What has our hearts? We, we put, you know, what we put our trust in reveals the, the state and the condition of our heart, I believe. And so when we, tra- when we say we trust God, but we, we give ourselves away to the, to the things of this world, we, we say, we, you know, we, we trust the stock market sometimes more than we trust our finances with God. We trust our employer with our time sometimes more than we trust God with our time. We trust our retirement and our 401k for our future more than we trust God sometimes. We trust Planet Fitness with our bodies more than we trust God sometimes. We spend more time with Netflix and trust our time with Netflix sometimes more than we trust our time and spend our time with God. We, we, we trust our phones with uh, more attention uh, and, more, and, and with our eyes and our focus more than we trust God with it. We confide in, we confide in our friends sometimes. Sometimes more than we confide in Jesus. 
Are these things bad necessarily? No, but, but these are terrible idols. These are terrible gods. These are terrible things to have your heart. And, and so please don't give your heart to them. But God wants to be our center focus. God wants to be our center focus of our heart. The, the first commandment of the 10 is thou, thou you know, don't have any other gods before me. Right? So, so God is, is serious about us, us being in this, in this relationship, and, and it's just us and God, just us and God. It's, it's faithful, and it's just us and God. And it's not God, you know, with some, with some um, you know, like he's trying to control us or anything like that. He's trying to brainwash us. or He's not vain and insecure and just desires worship from his people because, just because he desires worship from his people. But no, he created us. He's, he, he knows every fiber of our being. He knows how many hairs you have on your head or lack of us for some of us. And <clears throat> so he knows everything about us, and he knows what's best for us. And he knows that wh- whatever we worship, we become like so if we worship God, we'll become more like God, and he knows that's the best thing for us. So he's not vain and insecure. He wants our worship because he knows that that is what's the best thing that we can do. And <clears throat> there's, there's no other idol that will, that will treat you the way that God does. There's no other idol that will fulfill you the way that God does. There's no other idol that will empower you the way that God does. There's no other idol that will love you the way that God does. There's no other idol that will save you from your sin the way that God does. We have to guard our hearts. Be cautious where we place our trust in our affection. <clears throat> no marriage gets stronger when, the, when, when both spouses are, are constantly giving away <clears throat> more of their time to their friends, their jobs, their hobbies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So why would we expect our relationship with God to grow whenever we don't spend time with him? You know what I mean? Why do we expect our relationship with God? We just, <clears throat> a lot of the time, we're like, man, I, I just, I, I, I feel like I can't hear from God, but we don't read what he actually said. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so <clears throat> it's, it's, we have to understand that this is a relationship. It's not just a religion. It's not, it's not just something that we do on Sundays. It's, it's, it's a relationship. And I, I don't want us to, um, you know, I don't, I don't want us to, to, to stray away from this and just think that it's only something we do just because we're Christians and that's just what we do. Like this, is, this is a relationship. This is communion. This is, this is a covenant relationship. And we have to, uh, we have to tend to it. We have to uh, put in the work and expect it to get better, just like a marriage would. But I don't want us to get confused, and I don't want us to get, a, to get, to get lost and, and have this wrong idea that our relationship with God and our salvation is dependent on what we do, because that's not true. I, I don't want us, you know, we, we can sacrifice our Sundays, we can sacrifice our, our time throughout the week for life group. We can sacrifice our drive to work and, you know, and prayer. We can sacrifice 10% of our income, and that's great, but please make sure that we are, are not giving our hearts to Christianity, but we're giving them to God because that is so important. It's so easy to do sometimes. Sometimes we do things for the sake of the church instead of the sake of the Lord. Sometimes we do things to build our relationship and benefit us for the church instead of building our relationship with Jesus. I, I, these things are great, and I, I, I think that God loves our, our sacrifices, but, but ultimately, we, we can't give our hearts to the church. We have to give our hearts to Jesus. God, God later speaks through Hosea and, and says this in chapter 6. He says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings offerings. Because at the end of the day, that's what Jesus wants. He wants our heart. He doesn't want our Sundays. He doesn't want our drive to work. He doesn't want your free time. He does, but, but he, at, the, at the grand scheme of things, he, he wants your heart. At the end of the day, he wants 
your heart. And all, all those things are great, and I think we should give them. But we have to give them our heart. We have to be faithful with our hearts. We have to guard our hearts. We have to protect our hearts. We have got to be faithful. But faithfulness is not just a one-time decision either. Faithfulness is rooted in consistency. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Faithfulness is rooted in consistency. Showing up, being there. Faithfulness is rooted in consistency. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's a commitment. And, and, and we have to be faithful whether we feel like it or not. Because I promise you there are going to be times in our walk with Jesus we're just not going to feel like it. <laughs> there are going to be times when we wake up and we just don't want to choose Jesus. Being faithful is, is choosing him anyway. Saying, look, I, I, I trust you with my life. Even when it doesn't feel good, even when it doesn't look good, I choose to be faithful to you. I choose to be consistent. You can't have faithfulness without consistency. You wouldn't consider your fridge, your refrigerator, to be, faith, or to be consistent if it ran five out of the seven days of the week, would you? <laughs> I would hope not. If your car started two out of every three times, would that be very consistent, faithful, reliable vehicle? You'd probably want to sell it really quick. You know, if, if your spouse cheated on you only just a few times a month, would they be faithful? And yet most Christians only try to grow their relationship with Jesus one out of every seven days. And we think we're faithful. And I'm not saying this to shame anybody or to, to condemn anybody. But my job here is, is, is not to make you feel good. I wish it was, honestly, I really wish it was. <laughs> my job here is to push us. My job here is to give you the invitation to grow. And sometimes growth is not comfortable. Sometimes growth, uh, when, when someone tells you you need to grow, it doesn't always feel good on the receiving end to hear that. But if we can lay down our pride and say, yeah, I'm not as faithful as I could be, should be that opens the door to growth that opens the door to a, a better more consistent more faithful relationship with Jesus this isn't just a Sunday decision this is a Monday Tuesday Wednesday everyday decision to follow Jesus to be faithful God has been so faithful to us God has been so good to us he just wants our hearts. God's action requires a reaction from us. So we have to guard our hearts and we have to be consistent in doing so. If we're consistently guarding our hearts, the only thing we'll ever have to worry about is not 10 years down the road what following Jesus will look like. If we're consistently guarding our hearts, the only thing we'll have to worry about is what move we make next. Because in this journey in life, we're going to be faced with a crossroads. We're going to be faced with a fork in the road. And it's going to come down to, am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to follow me? And we don't have to think about the, the forks in the road that happened 15, 20 years down there. We just have to focus on what's in front of us right now. And it sounds really intimidating when you say, I'm giving my entire life to Jesus. But at the end of the day, if we just say, look, I'm just giving my right now to Jesus, <laughs> your life is going to be transformed. Your relationship with Jesus is going to grow so much. You're going to come to know him even more than you do now. 
and being faithful is just saying, look, the next one, you hear me say this all the time, just take a next step. Just take a next step. So whatever step in, in I take is going to be in the direction of Jesus always. And the same one with the next step. And the same one with the next step. That's all we have to worry about is just what's next. What's right now. Let's be consistent and faithfully choose Jesus every single there's also some really other good, some other really, really good news in this story here. Just like Hosea paid the price for and, and bought his own unfaithful wife back when he could have just left her there and given her what she deserved, right? Jesus bought us back too. Jesus saw us on the auction block where the world was determining our worth and bidding over us. Satan was determining our worth and bidding over us. And Jesus said, I'm going to pay whatever the price is, unreasonable amount, an astronomical, way more than we're worth, and he paid it anyways. And he gave us this invitation to come home and to stay home. He gives us this really incredible gift, and it's this really churchy word that a lot of us try to, try to run away from. It's called repentance. And I know that some of us maybe just shrivel up in our seats a little bit, but I want you to understand what repentance is. This is a gift. It's a beautiful thing. Repentance is not something that a, that a, that a preacher just shouts at you and makes it feel bad. Repentance is literally, what it really means is to literally turn around 180 degrees and walk the other way. So, so when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, it says, turn from your ways and just follow him. So it gives us this beautiful gift of repentance. And it's up to us if we want to step off of the auction block and go home with him and stay home with him and be faithful, be committed, be consistent. He paid the price once and for all. And no matter how far we go, no matter what we've done, he's covered it. That's the gift of grace, and it's not to be abused, and I think that's another sermon for another time. I don't want to get into it, but I don't want to discourage you either if you, if you think, yeah, I started following Jesus, and I was doing really, really well, and then I just felt, I don't, I don't know what happened. I'm too far gone now. He already paid the price once. He redeemed me once. I blew it. I blew my second chance. There, there's, God will never stop forgiving you. God will never stop allowing you back into his home. God will never close his open arms for us. No matter how far we, we've gone, no matter how much we think we've messed up, no matter how little we think we're worth, God brings us in every single time because he loves you and he's consistent. God already anticipated and considered your mess ups and bought you anyways <laughs> because he loves you that much. because he loves you that much. He is so good to us. Our faithfulness is a response to him and his great love. So that's my challenge today. Let's be faithful followers of Jesus every day at work. When your family comes over and you really just don't like them, on the road, hello, faithful in every moment, faithful in every decision because he's been so faithful to us. This is our response.
So let's guard our hearts. Let's be consistent. And let's be faithful. Let's stand up on our feet. I want, I want to give you another challenge today that I want us to, to go home with. We don't, we, we don't normally do this. And uh, I, just, I just felt like the Lord was, was, was really speaking to me this week. And, and he said, I want you to challenge your people. I want you to challenge the faithfulness, the commitment of your people. I said, all right, what, what, do you, what do you want to do? And, and I, I just heard him say, I want you to, to, to fast. I want you to fast. But not like a normal fast. Like, you know, a lot of the times when we fast, we'll say, okay, you know, I'm going to give up a certain type of food. I'm going to give up this or that. I'm going to give up something uh, and then use that time to pray. And I think that's really, really good. And a lot of us miss the use that time to pray part, but another time. <laughs> but, but this is more of a, more of a, a check on our hearts but, but an overly excessive amount, if that makes sense. I really don't know how to describe it, but I, I just want to tell you what it is. So let's just call it a fast because that's what it probably relates most with. I want to fast for 10 days, 10 days. I, I suggested seven. God was like, no, do 10. I was like, all right, 10. <laughs> I want us to fast for 10 days, but I want us to fast something that is going to be so beneficial for us. I want you to fast whatever has your heart. Now, I know that that's probably a really wide range of things for some of us, and, and, and maybe a lot of us are conceited, and we're like, oh, no, nothing has my heart but Jesus. But I, I'm sure there's one. Something that you, you think maybe, wow, what could I use this time, or what could I use this resource, or what could I use this energy for? Maybe, maybe you, you, you spend two, three hours, maybe even four hours uh, a day watching Netflix. You know, I, I feel like a lot of us more, know more quotes from the office than we do scripture sometimes, and that doesn't really help us when we're back down to the corner in, in a spiritual attack, you know. But maybe it's like, okay, what if I, what if I just cut out TV entirely? Again, this is excessive. I, I don't think TV is necessarily a bad thing. It can be, but, but let's just be super excessive and just cut out TV. Don't even, don't turn it off. Just unplug it. Unplug it off for 10 days. If, if, you, if you think, man, I, I feel like TV has more of a hold on me than I want it to, unplug it for 10 days. The whole household. Put it, parents, <laughs> force your kids into it too. The whole, the whole 10 days, just unplug it. Maybe, maybe, maybe you think, man, I, I don't really trust God enough with my finances. Then I want you to, maybe when you get your paycheck this next time, the first thing you do, take 10% and set it aside for God. Take 10% and it doesn't have to go to the church. It can go to buying someone a meal. It can go to helping a homeless family. It can go whatever God tells you to do with the money. Just do it, but make sure it's the first thing. Or maybe, maybe you, you think, okay, something has my time. Maybe give that up. A hobby has too much of my time. Maybe give that up. Not your jobs. That's <laughs> but if you work too much and you don't have to, maybe give that up. Maybe trust God with your time and your income at that point. I don't know. I, I, I just pray about this, and I want you to start today. I, I want you to start today. What are you going to cut out? What has your heart today for the next 10 days? I want to challenge the whole church to do this. Pray about this. What is God speaking to you? Because I'm almost certain something is in your head right now that the Holy Spirit's already doing inside of us, saying, ah, it's got too much time. That's got too much reason. That's got too much thought. That has my heart. And at the end of the 10 days, I want us to, to pray about this and say, okay, what is a reasonable amount 
that I can bring back into my life? And maybe the answer is zero. Maybe you throw the TV out the window. I don't know. Maybe you never re-download the social media apps. Maybe you put the timer on. You know, maybe, maybe you give a certain percentage of your finances now that you've trusted God with it and you see that he does provide every single time. So at the end of the 10 days, I want us to pray about what God wants us to bring back into our lives. And maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know what your answer is, but, but this is the challenge today. For the next 10 days, let's give something up that has our hearts. Because guarding our hearts is so essential to this, this thing called relationship with God. Guarding our spirit is so essential with Jesus. And, and it affects our faithfulness. It affects our consistency. It affects our lives and it affects his. Because when we're unfaithful, man, it breaks his heart. Because he loves us, just like Hosea loved Gomer. So let's be faithful in response to him. Let's give some stuff up that's got our hearts Let's live out this thing more than just Sunday, more than just online. Let's give him our whole lives. You ready? This is our challenge this week. So let me pray over us and, and send us out. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you so much for your word, for your spirit that is moving all in, all in this room right now and all different lives and hearts today. God, thank you for your conviction that is, that is good, that is righteous, and, and maybe doesn't make us feel good in the moment, but man, it makes us grow. So God, we're grateful for your Holy Spirit. We're grateful for your conviction and your correction and your, your gentleness and your kindness. And man, your love for us is so vast so wide and, and we don't have the words to describe we just be in it thank you for this love thank you for this presence thank you for this spirit God we want to be faithful followers of you we want to be faithful every single day every morning we wake up we want to be faithful to you I pray you give us boldness and give us courage to eliminate things from our lives that are taking up our, our, uh, our spiritual real estate and let us rework them to where you get the glory, you get all of, uh, all of who we are and nothing else. God, we want to love you in the greatest way that we can and we need your help to do it. So God, I pray you'd speak to each and every single person today, not just in this room, but as we walk out, let us hear your voice. Let us hear your spirit speaking to us and, 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 and guiding us. And I pray that we would have the boldness and the courage enough to follow where we think you're leading us. And, and your voice sounds like a whisper sometimes. So I pray that you would give us the ears to hear and let us, let us, um, uh, let us move everything away that is louder than you in our ears so we can hear you and see you rightly. God, I pray you'd start new relationships today. I pray you'd rekindle old flames. Like I said earlier, it, 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 our relationship starts with just stepping towards Jesus, repenting, turning 180 degrees around and, and saying, God, it's, it's all you from here on out. And just placing our next step in faith in Jesus. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I want to encourage you to take that step this morning right now. Don't wait until you got the house. Don't wait until you're out of college. Don't wait until you have kids. Do it right now. It's going to be the greatest decision you've ever made. 
and live this life out as a committed, faithful follower of Jesus. People will start to notice. People will start to feel the difference when you walk into the room as a presence carrier of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray you give us the guidance on how we can guard our hearts and help us stay committed to this 10-day fast and let us live solely for you, drawing ever closer each and every single day. Your love is so good. Your spirit is so good. We honor that today. We honor you today with every part and every fiber of our being. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Thank you.